Welcome to episode 448 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a grand conversation with Kitty Bell Burbank, a regular contributor, playwright, poet, professor, baker, and candlestick maker. Kitty Bell and I discuss the metaverse, the best way to be human, injustice, and how we find the strength to keep fighting it, being creative, the holidays, critical race theory, Tulsa, James Baldwin, self-care, dope sick, and little things. A grand conversation with Kitty Bell Burbank. We have an EWSA titled Window, and we share an excerpt from the book titled Clarence Darrow for the Defense by Irving Stone, and we have a poem called Blend. Of course, as is always the case, we will imbue, infuse all of this with the wonderful artistry of several great tunes so nice to be with you. Let's get to it. Episode 448 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours. Walk across the courtyard Towards the library I can hear the insects buzzing the leaves Neath my feet Ramble up the stairwell To the hall of books Since we got the interweb These hardly Get used Duck into the men's room Coming through my head When God gave us mirrors He had no idea Looking for a lesson In the periodical there I spy you listening to the AM radio Karen of the Carpenters Singing in the rain Another lovely victim of the mirror's evil way It's not like you're not trying with a pencil in your hair To defy the beauty The good Lord put in there Simple little bookworm Buried underneath is the sexiest librarian Take off those glasses and let down your hair for me 
So I'll watch you through the bouquet Imagining a scene You and I at dinner Spending time in the sleep And what then would I say to you Lying there in bed These words were the kiss I would play What is it inside our head That makes us do the opposite Makes us do the opposite Of what's right for us It's everything to be great And everything to be good Everybody gay Like everybody could Sweetest little book one Hidden underneath Is the sexiest librarian Take off those glasses And let down your hair for me Take off those glasses Waiting. I am going to drink coffee, watch TV, and wait for you to wait on me. The Circular Reason of the Season by Consume, Therefore I Am. What a sham. What an illustrious scam. And thus, this is how I am. A big bluish beanbag chair in the television stanza next to the wall that holds up the staircase into the hallway and into the bedrooms where I first imagined the universe outside my window. The moon and stars, the Big Dipper I learned about in school, all of the leaves on the ground feeding the earth through the coming winter into spring resonates nearer as a welcome cyclical sound rumbling steady, unabashed, and unbound. I was at a friend's house recently in Bucks County. He has chickens in his yard. He also has a fire pit and a few cords of wood that he split on his own. He kept a fire burning for a good 12 hours in the pit when I was there visiting We sat around it, a bunch of us, and talked about our families, politics, the pandemic, the past, old divorces, new set courses, our near and long-term plans. With moments of laughter, quiet, and the crackling of the orange glowing wood, 
poignant, compassionate, and silly, almost like we were younger than 30 again, warm together into the late night. The next morning, Alex made delicious French toast using fresh eggs from the hens.
morning. Good morning, Kitty Bell Burbank. It's so good to have you on Troubadours and Rock On Tours again. It's it's good to be here. I was looking back at July um, to see what we talked about because I, I know I tend to get stuck on uh, the same subjects, so I didn't want us to be too repetitive, but who remembers July? I didn't. <laughs> exactly. No one else will either, I'm sure. <laughs> Although I might be in the, I might be stuck in the same rut as I was then. So. Well, you know, maybe those issues, if they are indeed uh, recurring, are, are necessary for us to look at again. So, you know, I, I have, I'm, I'm fine with whatever you want to talk about. As, as always, I'm sure it's going to be compelling. Um, it's a good time for the holidays to happen, isn't it? You mean, given what? It's a good time just this after so many months to have. Just for goodwill and, <laughs> you know, positive distractions, thinking about other people, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We need that more often, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I got that song from Mame in my head the other day. You know, we need a little Christmas right now. <laughs> yeah. Right this very minute. There's no more time. We we have to get started before Thanksgiving. I don't even care this year. Let's just, just I decorated my office, you know. Yeah, you, you have uh, lights strung up and everything, yeah. Just at work, yeah, they're, they're having a decorating contest. And I was uh, too burnt out to really get anything substantial done so i decided to uh, do some art therapy some restorative craft making and um yeah excellent. i don't know excellent well for those for those folks who have never heard myself and uh kitty bell burbank speak let me give you a little insight on on uh who she is to a certain extent at least she's a playwright she's a poet She's a professor and uh, a baker and a candlestick maker, among other things. And uh, she's a regular contributor. She's been on our program for years. And it's so nice to once again connect. And usually I do make a point to have uh, you on the show right around the holiday season. Um, I noticed that. Yeah. I think it's good because you have a a good attitude and you have about it uh, and uh, a good set of i think rituals that you uh you embark you embrace every every uh holiday season so uh we i want to hear about those again it, it gets me in the mood at least i'm sure it gets other listeners in the mood sure do you have any cookie requests this year oh no but i love your cookie run it's awesome it's like santa <laughs> claus does exist you know yes you just you don't knock on the door nothing they're just there <laughs> <laughs> my sister enjoys, you know, taking that little drive with me. Yeah, it's a nice little drive up the up the mountain. Yeah, it's even before, you know, when we used to stop on our way home from Dunmore or wherever. Uh, it was, you know, my sister is, uh, she's, she's my Rudolph. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah, I like your sis. Yeah, you you have a you have a nice family. Um, so. You wanted to get into the metaverse. I don't know if you were, you know, you you sent me a beautiful text with all kinds of compelling topics, Uh, pandemic fatigue, uh, you know, fighting injustice and greed, American capitalism and it's designed, how it's designed to keep us down, basically, uh, and so on. It is. I am... 
I am I am done being nice about capitalism. <laughs> I'm over it. I don't care who wants to call me a communist. Let them blacklist me. The whole system is it, it, it depends on cheap labor. That's how that's how it works. People are capital to them, not people. And it's all about making this maximum profit and they don't care who gets hurt. And um, I'm just over being polite about it. I, I think that this that's the system that's broken in a big way. Yeah, you're not going to hear me disagree with you. Um, do you think the metaverse has anything to do with capitalism as a control or keeping us down? Is that a part of it? Well, in a way it is. You know, Facebook has to innovate. They have to make new things. They have to keep that stock price high. So, you know... They're coming up with new things. Do we need whatever they have in store? If you watched the, the Zuckerberg video, it was like the, I don't know who the pitch was for. It was like an hour. I did not watch the whole thing. It's insane. <laughs> it's so awkward and so uncomfortable. And I think we just learned from the pandemic, nobody wants to be on their computer all the time. No. We've had people begging to go out in public, to go back to school. Um, we don't want to be in virtual rooms. Like, I don't want to design my fake virtual furniture that I can't afford in the real world and, and make a place in the metaverse to, I don't know what they want to do up there, but um, <laughs> I just don't, they're going to advertise it constantly on social media that they own and they're going to make us want to buy things that we don't need. And I just don't want it. I don't want any of it. No, but it's hard to say no because it's presented as what everybody should be and is doing. And if you want to be, if you want to fit in, you want to be normal, you want to be happy, you should mm -hmm. be, you should be in, embracing it too. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, it'd be nice to have an avatar instead of having to be on camera because, you know, the makeup alone is exhausting. And um, yeah, I, I mean, if we you know, I'm sure we could do theater in the metaverse <laughs> someday. Yeah, but I, I just I don't know. I, I, I think we've just maybe I'm just getting old. <laughs> well, yeah, but wiser. You're not getting old and bitter, you know, and closed or, or weakened by the experience that you've had. Yeah. Uh, I can see it. And that's great. You know, you're emboldened. You're like, enough is enough. Yeah. I mean, the, there's t benefits to the technology. Of course there are. I, I love working from home. Not, you know, absolutely. It's great. I can concentrate. I, you know, I can pet my cat. Um. But I just I don't see it necessarily doing any favors for young people who I see a lot of, um, you know, attached to their phones. They're, they're typing papers on their their phones with their thumbs. I, I just don't think that's good. No. no. Um, and they think that's OK. And um, and TikTok and, and TikTok. Yeah, let's go. Let, let's go off on TikTok. I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. I tried watching it for research for uh, my nonprofit job to see if 
there's some way that we could use it. And I don't know if I'm just seeing the wrong stuff, but I do, <laughs> I do not think that's good for society at no, all. No, I'm with you. I'm totally with you on that. I, I don't see the point of it. Uh, but again, maybe we're just old fogies, you know? Um, now, we're, I don't think so, though. Where, where, no. where do you, I mean, how do you define the metaverse then? I mean, where is it, where it's boundaries? Where, you know, what, what part of it is new from compared to what we experienced outside of our own very, you know, uh, intimate surroundings when we were kids, you know, like TV yeah. or whatever. How, how do you see it? Part of it is that it needs to be built and it will be whoever makes it, which is also frightening. <laughs> like a Zuckerberg. Um, well, yeah. Or that like, I know, see, now this is the thing, like a lot of the second and third graders I work with in the arts link program, they, they are there already. They're on Roblox or Fortnite and they're building worlds. They hang out in virtual space already. This is not a new thing. Facebook right. just thinks by renaming themselves meta that the metaverse will revolve around them. Right. right. That's what they want. They want to be the sun. Yes. So they're like, oh, well, we'll just call ourselves meta. And anytime anybody says metaverse, they're saying our company name. Which is just like, I don't know, that, oh, that just makes me angry. <laughs> it is so arrogant. It's like you're just going to take our way. words from us and we're not allowed to use them anymore or without giving you an advertisement. Like, look at all the advertisements I just gave them this morning. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but that's okay. We're, we're analyzing the situation. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like um, this is the new frontier and they're just – honing in on how to, as you said, establish themselves as the main component of that, of, of that new world. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and we have to watch it. That's why we have laws uh, that uh, try to keep uh, monopolies or ol oligarchies from, from uh, establishing themselves, you, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I just don't see these, these young people growing up and switching to whatever Facebook has to offer. Um, unless they need the Oculus. Have you seen the Oculus headsets that you're supposed to wear for the VR experience? I have. They look yeah. ridiculous to me. Yeah. 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 Do your workout with these on. <laughs> well, people will be doing everything. I think the people, the, the, all they're engaged, you know, everything they engage with will, will be using that virtualness, you know, whether it be intimate relationships on a physical level or, uh, you know, a spiritual level, uh, intellectual level, we, we will be in our little offices, you know, connecting uh, it, through these devices and through these, these designed um, sort of uh, liaison worlds like the meta or Zuckerberg's vision. And, and that's, I, just, I don't know, that doesn't seem the best way to be human. Well, yeah, exactly. It's so funny because being a professor in the humanities, <laughs> it becomes more and more clear to me all the time that we have to teach people how to be human. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, we just, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess we always have. I yeah. Mean, yeah. 
people were brutal. I mean, when you look back at history, I guess we're more civilized than we've ever been on some levels. <laughs> yeah. Then you start hearing yourself say that and you're like, wait a minute. But well, yeah. we were for a while. We might be backsliding. I'm not really sure uh, what's happening anymore. Well, you're, you're referring to like you know, the insurrection sort of mentality and uh, yeah well you look at like the crusades and like the spanish inquisition or like i mean the greeks were brutal you know the the vikings the all the conquerors that thought that they could come in and take other people's land away from them and kill them i mean we haven't been very human on some levels unless you're looking at that brutality part of humanity which is not what i'm talking about yeah when we say human we presume we're talking about <laughs> goodness right well, but not you're right the human record track record is not all in large part not goodness at all yeah i mean humans are animals but i think when we say human we're talking about the part of you know, homo sapiens that is elevated above just animalistic behavior. Right. 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 Yeah. I never really thought about that until right now, but. Yeah. I, that's exactly the way we, you know, presume we're, we're, uh, what we're <laughs> focusing on with that aspect of being human. But yeah, we have to be honest with ourselves. If we're going to be that best version of what a sapiens could be. You know, we have mm -hmm. to we have to be real. We have to be true. Otherwise, we won't evolve. As, yeah. Um, and they're not teaching a lot of things in school that we were taught. Um, it's just they're, they're not learning things, which makes it easy to be a professor on some levels. It's like, who's read this before? No one. OK. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what you I don't know what you mean. You're, is that good or bad? Like, what aren't they teaching? Yeah. What aren't well, they teaching? They the, they haven't read obvious things um just little exposure little exposure to um art and and culture and literature and you know music and and all of it that sounds bad to me i mean that doesn't isn't that that's... <laughs> yeah it's bad <laughs> but you know i'm also working on a program right now that is trying to get arts integration into the curriculum yeah you work at two levels you work at elementary yeah. and you work at college so that's kind of yeah. neat that's kind of neat in a way one yes. can form the other really nicely i suppose so i'm teaching second and third graders to how to be creative and uh celebrate their unique voices and to not copy you know to to innovate and, and make new things that are their own things. Like we actually say, oh, you can't make Iron Man. He already exists. <laughs> copywritten. Like you have to come up with your own idea. And the kids are like, oh, okay. And they feel comfortable with that. They're not like intimidated by that, are they? You know, they're getting comfortable. What I've noticed is, um, and I could be biased, but the, the students I worked with in second grade, now in third grade, like – they're already off. Like they know what they're doing. They understand the creative process and they're like all about making something new. And then when you bounce up to college and if you give them the college age students, 18, 19 years old, 
the same freedom. Do they seem as comfortable and excited? No. There's a couple, but um, I'm actually, we're working on scripts right now. My students have, I have five students in a workshop who are, you know, more advanced students. They've never written in the script form before. And it's like, they're terrified and exhilarated at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. They don't know what scripts look like. That's what I mean. Like I remember seeing scripts in elementary school, high school, you know, they don't, they don't know what it looks like anymore. What things look like on paper. They don't know what paragraphs look like on paper. And why do you think that is? Because they're not reading. They're reading on screens. Right. Right. Or watching TikTok or something silly. Yeah. I brought in some books and they were like touching them. Like it was this weird (laughs) foreign object. Like I was like, here, this is your reading assignment for this week. And I passed out a bunch of stuff from my library. And they're like, you just want me to take this home? And yeah, you'll bring it back. Right. It was just, it was so funny. Like it just seemed an ordinary thing that had all kinds of mystical meaning or something and and is this is this the elementary school kids or is this the college kids? <laughs> oh, this is college yeah <laughs> oh yeah it sounds like the elementary school kids would be that way but the college kids are they're like wow books this yeah. is neat she's like she's well what is she she's like a magician or something <laughs> you can turn the pages for real <laughs> Wow, you're turning them on to some good stuff, Kitty Bell Burbank. I don't know. Yeah, it just I just feel like it's just gone too far. I It being it being what? The the digitalness of everything. The the turning everything into ones and zeros. Yeah. Yeah, cuz when when you when you're looking at things in that binary, you know, very narrow uh dualistic uh way you're cutting out so much in between the, the well, extremes of one and zero on and off and such. Right. And it's, it's shaping us. I mean, the, the things that we make, whether they be buildings or the technologies that we use, we shape them and then they shape us in return. And so the technology is changing us as, as a culture, as a species. I just, I just worry that we're losing. Yeah, because as you mentioned earlier, there there could be a lot of positive uh, positive uh, gain from having technology influence the way we we grow as 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 a species, as individuals. But not if not if it's used incorrectly or used by megalomaniacs to to control us or keep us down. You know, which is what they're doing. They're they're bombarding us with useless information <laughs> or or non-information or incorrect information and and I, I mean people don't know less than we used to it's not that 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 you know kids are stupider than they used to be they just know different things right and, and i just don't know if those are the things that are going to help them have good lives right and and the pandemic has exacerbated it all. Uh, I think that whole approach, that direction, it, it has injected it with a new energy in a way, right? 
Yeah. And it's too soon to see like if we're going to make the right decisions or not. I mean, we we've I, I I mean, the way I see it, we've come too far. We we they can say you're not going to teach critical race theory in the school, but we know the truth now. <laughs> we learned about uh, what happened in Tulsa. We learned about all of these systemic issues, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, I'll say good people trying to become allies and um, black people trying to educate themselves on the history and what happened. I mean, just because you're born with a skin color doesn't mean you know what happened in the past. If someone doesn't teach you. Right, right, exactly. I've taught my my students a lot of things that they didn't know. And they're African-American students. Yeah, they don't. They don't know. They they never read James Baldwin. Oh, that's terrible. I mean, every American. The first exposure they're having to James Baldwin is in my class. Uh, yeah, and, and every American should read James Baldwin because he's a great American thinker. But especially African-Americans, I would think, because he's speaking clearly to the that experience, especially those that come from slavery. Uh, He's a role model. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so who's not an athlete, right? Or or whatever. Brilliant, you know? brilliant man. So eloquent, uh, and, and he was so ahead of his time, James. Bowles. And such a great writer. Oh my lord! I mean, just just the way he puts words together is yeah. So yeah, I, I just don't. I worry that we're not learning the right things, and that's in somebody else's best interest, not most people's. Yeah, the people who uh, get rich off of us, uh, basically, you know, and we're just worker bees um, at best. And that's all those folks want, I think. I know that sounds like a cynical, maybe even paranoid view of of existence. But when, when I look at, and this is political, I suppose, and biased. But when I look at the folks who are middle class or or even poorer, who support a Trump movement, that yeah. tells me they've been bamboozled. They've been fooled because that movement and the people who are really in power and really benefit from it, they don't give a darn about middle class and, and poorer people and the, the challenges they face and, and their stead. And and if they can't see that, if we can't see that the middle class and poor that we're being bamboozled, then we're we're not prepared for for life. Yeah. Well, I think Trump happened because they've been taken advantage of over and over and over again. Um, the the new series Dope Sick on Hulu is outstanding. Um, I, I used to teach uh beth macy's book in um in class just because she synthesizes her research so well in the book and they adapted it into the series and i mean they nobody knows the whole truth about what the sacklers did with um oxycontin and how they targeted poor miners in West Virginia <laughs> and, and didn't care that they were dying. I mean, these people have suffered 
so much and and they just they want something to change and it's not changing because capitalism right and then they blame they blame the wrong people oftentimes uh for their for their woes and the wrong and they get caught up in in those cultural divisive issues instead of looking at the root causes of of you know the, the what's keeping them from being happy and from being as fulfilled as they could be that that's my concern and you know you bring up some something that's kind of prescient uh, just recently a court ruled in favor of the defendants against CVS Walmart and Walgreens uh, in and around Cleveland for being complicit in the opioid uh, uh, crisis epidemic that has occurred over the you know the last decade or so uh, just the ruling just occurred you know with within days of us speaking uh, here mm-hmm. now and that's big that's big you know uh, hopefully billions of dollars get to those communities to help them uh, pick up the pieces I, I heard a stat a hundred thousand people died in the last 12 months uh, yeah. Or or in a twelve month period, it was a quick little blurb that came at me via the radio as I was driving. But in a in a twelve month period, a hundred thousand people died because of uh, opioids. Act- yeah, go, go, prescribed. There's, there's fentanyl and everything. Oh, prescribed. 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 Oh. Yeah, that's in that in that dope sick show too. It's but you the deceit like the and and how they deliberately blamed addicts knowing that their drug was addictive (laughs) just so they could keep selling it as long as possible. Like it's, it's just evil. I don't know if there's another word for it. It, That that level of greed is just evil. It it, it truly is there. You don't need another word. That's the right word. I think, um, and maybe prescribed, I'm reflecting on that. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Some Do your research, folks, uh, 100,000 <laughs> in, in one, one year. It's definitely from opioids, but maybe, you know, you know you're, you're right. Maybe it's not prescribed. I think it is, but I could be wrong. Anyway. Well, they're putting fentanyl in everything. And people who used to have prescriptions that got addicted who can't get the prescriptions anymore because they made it so hard to get them now, um, which is good. But those people, I mean, they'll – They'll take whatever they can to not feel sick. Right, which, yeah, it's understandable. Well, Kitty Bell, Burbank, believe it or not, we're just about uh, done with this go-round. And now let's wrap it all up nicely for you know the folks going into the holiday season, into a new year. How are we going to do that from dope sick to, yeah, uh, into well, the new year? Yeah, I guess just, yeah, people need to, to take care of themselves. I've, I've been working a lot on self-care in the past year and it, it, that's kind of become this kind of cliche thing to say you know it sounds like oh self-care but it it's so important especially like you know I have these times of the year where I work too many hours and um and it matters just getting sleep you know drinking enough water those really basic things that um, that we are in control of, right? What am I going to eat today? A- am I going to take some time to exercise even though I have a stack of things to do? Um, you know, and just trying to do things that make you feel good. Little things like I try not to buy plastic if I can help it. <laughs> you know, that makes me feel better every time I use my 
you know, bar of soap that didn't come in a plastic tube, I feel a little bit better about the future. Excellent. I love your attitude. I love your analysis and your depth of understanding, Kitty Bell Burbank. It's so nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock on tours regularly. Yeah, thanks for, I feel like I went on a little bit of a rant today, but <laughs> thanks for being there for it. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I don't think it was a rant. I think it was a lot of uh, valuable insight, and I look forward to your cookies, too. So say thank right. you up front, I, I, and, <laughs> and hopefully we see each other out and about during the holiday season and on campus. Take care of yourself. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye.
And now an excerpt from the book titled Clarence Darrow for the Defense by Irving Stone, published in 1941. Though a number of the earlier mining families had come from Ireland, Wales, and Germany, the greater portion of them now were Central Europeans, Poles, Austrians, Hungarians, Slavs, Italians, who had made the difficult wrench from the homeland, from their friends and relatives, and had taken the plunge into the unknown to find a better life for themselves and their children. They were, for the most part, of good racial stock, hard-working, independent, despite the fact that some of them had been at odds with the religious, political, and economic structures of the country they had left, they were reverent and law-abiding. A questioning of the operators revealed only a few complaints against the miners prior to the strike. They still wanted to take off too many of their European holidays. Sometimes their propping was so hastily put up in their scramble to get out the coal that the roof collapsed and killed everybody under it. The operators did not appear to believe this negligence to be intentional. In fact, they rarely mentioned it, for it was a custom that the safety engineers never got around to inspection until after the accident had happened. The hopes of these venturesome Europeans had been rudely blasted in the Pennsylvania coal mines, where life was harder, uglier, more bitter, and more enslaved than the life they had come from. They had had no way of knowing that they had been imported for the very reason that they were accustomed to poverty, because they could subsist on the smallest possible quantities of food under the direst living conditions, because they could be worked hard for small wages. Quote, they don't suffer, cried George Bear indignantly when confronted with their plight. Why, they can't even speak English, he added. By this charming non-sequitur, Darrow ruminated, the basic problem was posed not only for Pennsylvania and its coal fields, but for every state and every industry in the land were the millions who poured in from Europe to become an integral and valuable part of our life, were they to enrich the country with their vigor, their independence, their courage, their native cultures, or were they to be kept as a half-starved, half-cowed human mudsill over which those who had preempted the status of Americans might walk into the house of civilization? Darrow had been in Wilkes-Barre and the vicinity for only a few days when he perceived that something more than a wage strike was at issue in the coal fields. He determined to present this something more to the eagerly waiting public, to present the issue simply and clearly on its broadest sociological base. Was it possible for America to become an authentic democracy, to achieve the hopes and promises of its founders, when millions of powerless ones were kept in bondage, forced backward through the centuries, until they cowered on the very periphery of animal life? Was not democracy founded on individual justice, on a consideration of certain inalienable human rights, 
Could a free state continue to grow and prosper, achieve the national unanimity necessary for a nation to become strong and great when it had a slave state eating at its vitals? Could cruelty and indifference exist harmlessly in a country whose motivating force had been cooperation and inter-responsibility? Or must it inevitably lead to an industrial militarist state? and pajama pants, crucial coffee dark roasted, snow showers between the wires and on top of the cheap shingled roofs, 
No terracotta in this neighborhood. My special blend of mean and selfish. The ones around, yet again, they must portend. joy and peace oh i wish i had a river i could skate away on but it don't snow here it stays pretty green i'm gonna make a lot of money then i'm gonna quit this crazy scene i wish i had a river i could skate away So long, I would teach my feet to fly. Oh, I wish I had a river I could skate away on. I made my baby to help me, you know, he put me at ease, and he loved me so naughty, made me weak in the knees, oh, I wish I had a river, I could skate away on, I'm so hard to handle, I'm selfish, and I'm sad, now I've gone and lost the best baby that I ever had, oh, I wish I had a river. I could skate away on I wish I had a river so long I would teach my feet to
And there you have it, episode 448 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend Kitty Bell Burbank, Irving Stone, great writer, Clarence Darrow, great fighter for the underdog, and these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, My Morning Jacket, Patti Smith, Jenny Lewis, Pokey Lafarge, Joni Mitchell, Brantford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. And, of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care.